Um, the show is amazing. Did you feel like there were things that you could relate to? Um, the ugly cries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was at least one one episode for sure. <laughs> that ain't right. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us on Mama Said So Podcast. I am your host Jenny and we have your other hosts here with us, Charm and Miriam. Hi! So we know it's been a while um, and we have, just like everyone else, um, have been social distancing and trying to remain home apart from uh, doing what's necessary in terms of running our errands and then for me going into work. Uh, but we haven't seen each other in a long time, probably since our last recording. And we miss it. We miss podcasting and we definitely want to keep it up. Um, so we are doing this um, in our own homes and not together in uh, the way we done, we've done before. So you may notice a, a slight difference in sound quality and everything. So um, please forgive us for that. But uh, we, we hope that you can still enjoy this. Um, obviously, th- these are trying times right now um, with what is going on. And we're really hoping that everyone um, is safe out there and that you all are um, doing your best like Miriam has you know, said to me before, not just to survive this time, but to thrive during this time. Um, if anyone has been experiencing um, difficulties or hardship or, you know, even death, um, we definitely feel for you. We're praying for you. Um, and, um, you know, we're here for you and we're hoping that uh, we're hoping the best for you as um we eventually will come out of this. Um, That being said, we would like today's episode to be very light. Um, And I know a lot of people have been watching um, this new show that came out recently and that also just ended recently, but Little Fires Everywhere starring Reese Witherspoon, Joshua Jackson, and our favorite, with the faces and all, (laughs) (laughs) Carrie Washington. (laughs) So (laughs) um, the show is amazing. It is very good. Um, It's set in the late 90s, so like 1997, I believe. And um, and it's set in a very, um, what's the word for it? Uh, Structured... Um, sort of like a made-up town, <laughs> um, even though it is a real town, a very real place um, near Cleveland, Ohio. Um, everything there is is um, made to be perfect, and um, of course, with that, uh, there is no such thing as perfection. So there are um, a lot of real undertones, and those undertones are brought out uh, in the series, especially with Carrie Washington and her two-person family with her and her daughter as they come um, and stay there in that town called Shaker Heights, I think. Um, And Mm -hmm. they, you know, find out that, you know, things aren't perfect there. They're not, they, you know, there's a lot of things about them um, that 
um, you know, they have to reveal about themselves. I'm talking about Carrie Washington's char- character, Mia. We find a lot about herself and how her life isn't perfect. And it doesn't seem perfect to start, um, but there, but she still has a lot, um, a lot of history. And then you find out the same about the other character, which is um, other main character, which is uh, Reese Witherspoon's character. She definitely has a, um, she puts off a perfect perception or persona Mm-hmm. Um, but you also find out about her history and how there is nothing perfect about her and her past and um, all the com- all the um, characters are fairly complex um, but one of the reigning themes I think um, or several reigning things I think that there are um, in this uh, is one about motherhood um, and then there's definitely a theme of race um and uh it's just good altogether. um i highly recommend it where there will definitely be spoiler alerts so <laughs> if you guys haven't watched it and want to watch it before listening finishing this podcast definitely go and do it now it is on hulu um so you can watch it there um i think it's about eight episodes so totally feel free feel free to binge um, it's definitely worth it, but yes, there will be spoiler alerts. Um, and I think it's, uh, you'll enjoy a lot. Um, what, what do you, what were you guys's, um, overall view of the, of the show? So for me, I mean, first of all, it was just so well written. The suspense in it was very good. Um, it was just so timely. And I guess because the nineties is like our era when we were growing up, it was very Mm -hmm. relatable. Um, even from the little things I remember, um, I forget what episode it was, maybe episode three or so when they had the dance and Mm -hmm. they were playing, um, oh gosh, I remember the group name is called Jumbo Walkies. I forgot the name of the song, but it was a song that I knew and I was like, and I turned to Lewis. I was like, oh, babe, that's from our, uh, that's from me and Jenny's Z100 days. Like, yeah. I remember that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the clothes, the language, things like that. The wallpaper, um, the hair. Yes. Mm-hmm. Something for me that was really, um, like, definitely took it back for me is um, the the decor in Elena's home, which mm-hmm. Elena is... Um, Elena is Reese Witherspoon's character. So um, very well off, rich white family. Um, And I went to school um, with mostly uh, white girls. It was all girls school, white, um, you know, coming from um, wealthy families. And, you know, when I would go into their houses, it was almost like, so watching this, I felt like I was, you know, back in high school and stepping mm-hmm. into um, their houses with the same type of decor, same looking couches and drapes and everything. It was, it was really, it was crazy. Right. It was crazy, but definitely, yeah, definitely took it back. Sean, what about you? What are your overall um, feelings about the show? Well, were you done, Mary? No, actually. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Besides it being like relatable because we could easily put ourselves back there because we actually did live through those dec- those years, those decades or whatever. Um, just like any other good show, the fact that one episode you could be hating a character and in another episode you could be loving a character or relating to a character or see that there's some redeemable quality about a character, 
that's mm-hmm. what makes a good show as well. And that de- that's this show definitely um definitely had it. And to top it off, set in the '90s but still relevant today in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think what got me and what hooked me was the complexity of each story and how intertwined they all became. Um, and I think sometimes it seems like, oh, this is scripted. But then when you think about it, it's like things really do happen like that in real life. And like we all cross paths in six degrees of separation. And it's like, you know, one person's actions impacts another's. Like when you think about, um, like when you think about um, BB, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and her decision, um, which I know we'll get into, but then how it affected the other family who was so desperately wanted the child. You know, just like one decision impacting the other. And then just like you said before, um, Miriam, the complexity of the characters and like yeah. everyone has a story, the depth of their story. And like, I can relate because I think um, <clears throat> we're all that way. We're all complex creatures um, at the heart of it. Sure. Um. Another thing that I appreciate about it is, uh, and w- we are going to talk about the um, the four mothers or the main mothers uh, in the show. Um, but one thing that I really like was the, um, and I thought of this when you know, and just in thinking of the complex characters. But I like how they all kind of represented a different type of family. Mm-hmm. Um, or a fan, you know, different families with different backgrounds. So for Elena's character, um, you know, four kids, which, whoa, um, mm-hmm. four kids, a husband, you know, both have careers. They kids go to a very good school, which obviously is intentional. Um, you know, have a very nice house. They, uh, the parents, um, it doesn't. It didn't say that the parents necessarily came from money, but you know, it, you can tell that they also had comfortable lives and everything, and and that's what they have now, um, and that's what they provide for their kids. And then there's Mia, who um, you learn a little bit more about her background and everything as the show goes on, as the episodes proceed. But um, her and her family, it's just her and her daughter Pearl. And um, they're, they, they only have each other and, um, and they carry around all of their possessions from town to town. And Mia has basically been doing that ever since Pearl was born or right before Pearl was born. And, um, and they don't necessarily have roots, so to speak, as opposed to Elena's family who, you know, she grew up in the same town that she's now raising her kids in. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they have an established, their family is basically established. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Linda who like Elena, um, they're more so, um, on, on that side of the, I don't know, wealth gap or within that same bracket, you know, you write their privilege mm-hmm. as well, yeah. but, um, that privilege has not saved her from, um, her and her husband from not being able to have kids. Right. Um, so there's a, a a complexity, you know, right then and there in and of itself. And yeah. for a very, very long time, um, it, it's not even that she's not able to have kids, but then there's all these other women around her who are having kids. And um, 
there is a scene of a flashback scene uh, later in the season um, where she realizes that Elena is pregnant again um, after just having a kid and, and, you know, going through, I think she was just ending maternity leave or something and, and right up and about right. to go to work. And, you know, Elena and her husband was having family, uh, having a dinner with Linda and her husband. And then she had to excuse herself. And Linda realizes that, oh my gosh, she's pregnant again. And that, and she's just like, I can't like, how can they have another one, a fourth one? And right. we are, we, we've been trying for however long. And, um, the current time in the show, 1997, at that time, the youngest is entering high school. So for that long, um, you know, they've been going through this. Um, and that's a thing in and of itself. You know what I mean? Her, you know, she has a two person family, just like Mia and Pearl have a two person family, but it is not, that is not how it is intended. That's not how she wants it. She, she yearns for more. And then there's Bibi, but wait, before you move on, I think also just in that, that flashback scene, the fact that everybody thought that she was pregnant, but she had just lost a baby. And so it's not just that she couldn't conceive, it's right. like the trauma of literally losing babies. And we don't yeah. know how many, but we do know that she's tried, she's gotten pregnant, but it just wasn't, she wasn't able to carry the full term. So. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. That was definitely a good point. Um, so yeah, multiple traumas there and that create, creates, um, again, that complex character that we're talking about and makes it so realistic because like, I don't know, I, I don't know if it was you, Miriam or Sean, who said that we're all complex in our, you know, in our own lives, in reality, mm-hmm. our own realities. Um, and then, uh, with BB, um, that brings up a whole new thing that, you know, maybe not too many of us can really relate to because, uh, many of us have not gone to a new country um, and not really known so much English, um, and having to care, care for this newborn baby and really just not knowing what to do, not knowing what our options are, not having any advocates, not having a voice, um, mm-hmm. and just experiencing that trauma and really, you know, not really knowing what to do. Um, and then doing the unthinkable and now having to, now having to, the unthinkable, which is, um, you know, leaving her child, um, so that hopefully her, someone can find her child and provide a better life for her, um, leaving her child. And then, and then in the current time of the show, now having to deal with the repercussions of that, which is basically having to fight for her child, um, to get her child back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, her, her story was not only about the immigrant story, but about the poor person story. Right. Because right. remember the episode that was titled, I forgot how many cents was it? Wasn't that so fascinating, that episode? Like the same mm-hmm. amount of money that it took for her to afford a can of formula at the corner store, she didn't have enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it was the same amount of money that the bus driver excused Izzy for not mm-hmm. having, but still mm-hmm. let her take the ride on the bus. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it was the same amount of money. I don't know if it was like 75 cents or 55 cents, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mentioned, you know, to start this off, there's so many themes. 70 cents. And, um, oh man, there are so many themes. And that even of itself in terms of, uh, we can call huh. it, you're, you're, you know, you're saying poverty, wealth gap, um, privilege, all of that wrapped into one. Um, and then mm-hmm. there's race. 
as well, and the so many different aspects of motherhood. So, um, of course, today we're going to we're going to tackle the motherhood um, theme, or you know, not tackle, but kind of discuss it and just play it out um, amongst us. Um, but if you are interested in any of those things, or if any of those themes seems to, um, you know, just kind of pique your interest, or, or you know, just watch it. Just watch it. It'll be de- totally be worth it. Totally, totally be worth it. It was definitely one of the better shows that I've watched in a long time. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and I gave a brief synopsis of. Um, of all of the mother characters, but I think we want to speak on them a little bit more. And we want to ask ourselves um, two questions about each. Um, What do we think is a good quality um, that the mother has? And then um, is there a certain thing um, that that mother possesses um, either in her character or what have you that we can see in ourselves? or, Or was there a certain scene where we can see a certain scene of that mother where we can relate to, maybe we've been there, or um, we can see ourselves in that scene with that mother. So we'll go ahead and start with um, Elena. Charm, you want to start? Elena, sis was wildin'. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's interesting because I do think she was well off. Like she talked about how her um, her mother had the house for her and her boyfriend to come back to when they were in France. And by the way, they were like in France. So there's that. Um, <laughs> but I think in her heart of hearts, like she really believed that she was doing good things, um, especially in the beginning when she took pity, for lack of a better word, on Mia and let her stay in the apartment when she realized like, oh, they must be living in their car or they must be poor because of mm. that, the car that they drive and, you know, all those other assumptions that she, that she made about them right. um, just from looking at her and not even really knowing her. But I do think she was, again, at her heart of hearts, good, had good intentions um, in the beginning. And um, I do think that she personally sacrificed so much that she didn't even realize there were certain parts that she was like, broken um, and thing, things of regret or being overwhelmed, um, you know? So I think, like I said, the good quality would be that she was good intentioned. And I think um, a couple of scenes resonated with me, with her, um, because she is also a perfectionist and she's mm-hmm. very regimented with her household and keeping charts and graphs of everybody's schedule and like, making sure her kids are good. She's poured everything that she has into her children and making sure that they are well off and getting into, you know, the next stages of their lives. Um, So I can relate to that. Um, But I can also relate to the very, very end when she basically was like on the brink of losing her mind. And she like screamed back at her daughter that she just yelled out that she had an abortion and she ran in the room and she closed the door and was just crying and like the whole house is burning down around her and she literally is just in the mm. bed crying and can't even like was like resisting getting out of the bed when her son came in there to get her so i know right. she smelled the smoke i know she like like there's no way that she didn't know that there was something happening but she was just losing it and i've i've experienced that where you just like feel out of your mind overwhelmed and like 
you just want to curl up in a ball and get under the covers because it's just too much. And I think for any of us, whether how perfect we think we are or, you know, how hard we're trying, sometimes we just have moments where we have to step back because you're at a breaking point. And so I don't think she realized that she was at a breaking point, but look outside looking in, I could totally relate to that. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why, um, that's why we say these characters have not so likable characteristics, but also redeemable characteristics. So that's definitely the redeemable part about her because imagine mm-hmm. being in her shoes, um, already being pregnant with your fourth and you just coming back to work from maternity right. with your third one. Um, but also, you know, you have people telling you, oh no, it's fine. You could do it. What's one more? You know, right. they had this scene where her mother, her mother's like, we have means, we have money, you have resources, right. it's fine. But it wasn't even about that for her. You know, mm-hmm. she she was still holding on to her dream of being this big time journalist, maybe one day working for the New York Times. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely adding a fourth child to the mix wasn't going to get her any closer to that, wasn't going to free up her time or her energy for that. Um, right. And, and she um, blamed her, though. You know, and that's like, I personally can't really on that level, but it was so visible. Like she blamed Izzy for the fact that she was born. Like how, you know, I don't even think it was as much that she was different that rubbed her the wrong way as it is that she She existed. existed. Mm. Yeah. So so for that, with her and Izzy specifically, do you think, this is almost like a chicken and egg kind of question, but do you think that her resentment of her even being born is what kind of made Izzy the way she was? Or do you think, you know, she would have gotten over it if Izzy was a little bit more like uh, her sister, uh, who was her sister? Lexi. Lexi. Mm-hmm. I think that... Um because Sherry had that in her from day one, as far as she even wanted her to be born as that and the other, and the fact that she didn't get over it, it always mm-hmm. was something underlying, you know, underneath the surface. So it was just breeding the separation. They would never been able to get close unless Elena had gotten over that. And so on right. top of that, for the child to be much different than you are and you're not, you know, embracing the child for who she is, her gifts, her talents, her personality, whatever the case may be and then on top of that you have a teenager who's searching for who she is and she's been lied on she's been backstabbed by her best friend and she's still discovering who she is or trying to define what sexuality is for her all those together just like wow it's just it was a compounded issue but it all started with her being upset and resentful in the first place that she decided not to have an abortion and had the fourth child or she got pregnant in the first place i mean they did have birth control back then (laughs) so she can't really be blaming the daughter you know she had (laughs) just like she just like her mom said she had resources to raise a child she had resources to not get pregnant as well right and that's true so the other interesting thing about that is that even though Lexi was um, Miss Perfect, uh, she had her set of issues as well. And I do still want to focus on Elena being the mother. But even though L- Lexi was Miss Perfect and it seems like she was that way all the time and it seems like um, she loved being uh, or living up to being Little Miss Perfect, Um and kind of showing Izzy out or whatever. 
Uh, she, mm-hmm. she had her own set of issues um, and she was, and I guess, you know, at that age, I, as a, being a senior um, in high school, uh, you start to, you start to enter into adulthood and kind of realize things that things aren't necessarily the way they um, appear to be. And she was starting to realize that about her mom. Um, Mm -hmm. But her mom not being able to see just, just, just the same way that her mom wasn't able to see everything that Lexi was going through. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that was probably because like we're saying her, uh, not Lexi, Izzy. Um, a lot of that was probably because of her resentment of Izzy, but she loved um, everything that Lexi did. And she loved the fact that Lexi was Little Miss Perfect and like a mini me of her. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lexi was clearly going through certain things herself and she couldn't see that and right. even accept that when she did realize that she was going through something. So even that relationship, mm-hmm. um, was flawed in in its own way. Um, obviously she is the common denominator between the two. So, uh, yeah, it is, it's, it is, it's her, it's, it's Elena. Um, that's the issue, but um, you know, I just say that to just to, just to say that um, Lexi didn't necessarily have it any that much better than um, Izzy did, even though she was a perfect child. And the reason is is her mom, Elena, even though yeah. Lexi was um, the better of the two or all four of them, I guess, if you want to say that. She was the favorite for sure. All right, what about you, Miriam, in terms of a good quality that you can see in her and then something that you can relate to or you can see yourself? I mean, just the whole relatable thing, like touching back on what I had mentioned, you know, you have people maybe telling you one thing like, nah, you'll be fine. It's okay that or whatever. But then, you know, in your heart of hearts, you know what I mean? That Mm -hmm. it's going to be something that's going to be an extra burden for you or you might not be up to doing it and then you got to wrestle with that right because then you're like oh dad should I be feeling bad that I'm saying I can't do it when everybody else around me is telling me that I can or that I right. should be okay with the situation you know what I mean so we find I think as mothers we can find ourselves in those situations or people in general you know you can find yourselves in those situations everybody else around you is believing something when you don't quite necessarily you know 100% um concur mm-hmm. um if you will and then the, um, you know, the other side of her, just how relentless she was and going after Mia in the first place. And almost as if she had something to prove to Linda. She just didn't want to look bad in her in front of her, in Linda's eyes. Mm-hmm. Or she felt that she had to make amends or she felt that she was probably responsible. So she was going to do anything that she can, including going to New York and going right. to actually meet Mia's parents and all of that, like, that's just, whoa. Crazy. It's just extraordinary, <laughs> the measures mind. that she took, <laughs> yeah, to take down this um, woman that she claimed that she was helping in the first place by letting her stay in her rental property. But you know what? I don't know if she would have done all of that if she didn't find out about her selling that painting for so much money. I feel like that is what tipped her over Really? To like, because I think she was like hot on the trail anyway, right? Like she even before her friend, like she was just trying to figure this lady out. But then when that happened, she was like, "Oh nah, I gotta go see this." And that's why she even in the lobby, she like took a moment to like, "Wow, this is this is it." You know what I mean? I feel like she just was even more of a push to get there 
when she realized, like, no, she has money. No, no, no. This can't be. Like, I don't know. I guess that's her journalistic hunger that was, like, kind of kicking in at that point? Uh, I think that that was, um, I, you know, I think that she had a great sense of entitlement. Um, yes, yes. And, and I think that that's what it was. And I think that her being a journalist and her wanting to live up to being a big shot journalist, a New York Times worthy journalist, is kind of what carried her through, what carried her sense of entitlement. So um, she knows she's privileged. You know what I mean? She knows that she got it good and she worked hard for it and probably pushed her husband to work hard for it too. Mm -hmm. Um, So when she sees Mia, uh, she's like, all right, you know, like you said, Charm, good intentions. I'm going, I'm going to help you. Um, But now that I'm helping you, um, I have a right to know a little bit more about you. You know what I mean? Um, I have, I have a right to just keep, crying and asking these mm-hmm. questions and everything. And I was speaking about this to another friend and they were like, well, Mia wasn't really, um, really all that nice herself. And I was like, mm, no, right. she wasn't, but she doesn't have to be. That's right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't owe Elena anything. Right. Um, but Elena just had that, had such a sense of entitlement that, uh, she couldn't take that entitlement not being, I don't know, fulfilled or played to yeah. You know what I mean? And there was just something that she didn't know and she wanted to know and she felt like she deserved to know. So she was going to do everything she could to, to, to know, to figure this out. And she was able to do it any other way. And you can see that in the relationships that she had with other people. So with the, uh, the cop, the detective, whoever he was, how, oh, I'm going to bring you another box of baked goods or whatever it is mm-hmm. because you know that's how that's how I do and that's how I get my way and even yeah. when she pulled with um with her friend who opened the up doctor. the Planned Parenthood the doctor yeah. talking about something well, yeah, you can go ahead you can tell me about uh mm-hmm. BB or whatever right. and the doctor looked at her like her Some friend yeah. right like are you kidding serious? me right like you haven't heard of uh <laughs> doctor patient privilege right. uh I don't know how how when HIPAA became a thing, but right, you know what I mean? Like right. you haven't heard of that. Um, and then she, she tried to say, well, let's not forget who helped you to do this or be in this position <laughs> anyway. Like right. what? Even her ex-boyfriend, when she went to New York, like I can just show up in your life anytime I want, get right. what I need from you. Right. You know, this is the second time that we later find out, but she just like, yeah, this is okay. There's nothing wrong with this. I'm going to ask you for a favor. And yeah, I was so happy to you shut her down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was going another way, but yes, I'm happy you yeah. shut her down too. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she is true and true. Even, even how fake she is, she's still true and true <laughs> um, in multiple ways. And you can totally see that sense of entitlement. And that's what really, like her not being able to get what she wanted and know everything that she wanted to know just you know, just cause, mm-hmm. um, you know, really, really made her go hard for, you know, for this story. And then, like you said, realizing that she had more money than what she appeared to have, that just was like, nah, I definitely have to yeah. have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about um, you, Jenny? Yeah, so for Elena, let me see a good quality in her. I do think, even though, obviously, um, she has a certain level of uh, 
being neurotic. Um, I really did do think that her, um, or I'm not going to say perfectionism, but her, her organization skills <laughs> and everything, <laughs> I do think that that is a, I think that that's a good quality and, and being able to achieve that is a good quality. Obviously, um, we don't want to get hung up on perfectionism. Right. Um, but I think that being able to have some system, any system is, or not any system, but, you know, a workable system is, is pretty good. Um, and I think that she was able to do that in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> the sex schedule, though? Come on. That's where that's where she's being neurotic. And she was a jerk <laughs> with that though. She was a jerk with that because she was like, Oh, now it's Thursday. Right. 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 Two AM. <laughs> she don't want to do it. A jerk. So no. So yes, I I you know, like her level of organization and everything, but it being coupled with you know, with that sense of entitlement and being a jerk and all of that, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I don't like that side of it, but um, just the organization I think I liked. And I liked, and I and this is the part that I relate to, I, I liked how there is a transition. And again, I do think that it, it is um, two far ends of an of a, of the spectrum where she, you know, totally, you know, became neurotic and went to the opposite end of the spectrum to become this perfectionist person. But in the scene where she had the three young kids and Izzy's a baby and she's screaming and crying and she's just sitting there like doesn't really know how to shut this kid up and doesn't mm-hmm. have what she needs but also her husband is out working late um maybe at happy hour maybe at you know mm-hmm. an afternoon business meeting or whatever it is um but you know she's there burdened with all her kids you know just at her wit's end and you can see in the background the disarray of everything mm-hmm. so um so that's something that I that I also appreciated in terms of coming from that um and the reason why I point that out is because you know with toddlers nothing stays clean long <laughs> right Ever. yeah nothing nothing stays clean long and um I look forward to the day where (laughs) where things will stay clean long and where they can follow suit in the schedule or the organization and they know how to they you know they know how to um, care about their surroundings and not have everything all over the place or whatever. and you can see that there was definitely a transition from that that place where her where their little house or apartment um, mm-hmm. to now their their house now where it's spotless and um, and obviously she has a whole organization organization system and all of that. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, that, but again, th- there is an extreme in that that I'm not saying should be everyone's goal. Um, and the relatable part is just, you know, like I said, being at your wit's end and kind of um, just being there in that in that moment and like, oh my goodness, like, will this kid stop now, please? Will yeah. someone come to the rescue? Mm-hmm. Yep. Step in. Um... <laughs> that pacifier run? <laughs> right. Again, extreme. That was... <laughs> 
Well, I mean, if she that she ended up with him, yes, that part is extreme. But just like that moment where you're just standing there about to be in tears, like it's finally quiet. You just finally got out. It's just like, ugh, it's intense. Um, Mia. Hmm. Mia. Okay, so hmm. Several episodes, I'm like, no, that's not right. How's she going to be dragging her child all across the country? Mm-hmm. And all this time, she had an opportunity to get into some money, to have some stability. That You don't do that to a child. And that's not <laughs> even your child all the way. <laughs> 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 but no, okay. So we all know Mia. Mia is um, the single mother who shows up in Shaker Heights. And of course, Elena looks at them as, you know, this poor... Uh, this poor family that may need somewhere to live because apparently it looks like they have all their belongings with them in this small, old, rusty, and dirty hatchback vehicle. <laughs> so, so then when you go back and it's like, oh, so uh, what you call it? She got pregnant, but not because she wanted to, or not out of a loving relationship, but because she had to, because she needs to pay for school. Even mm-hmm. in that moment, you could find even an ounce, you know what I mean? An ounce of like, oh, you know what, she's in a tough <laughs> position. There are a lot of students maybe who may be in her same position. It, um, you know, that might take up that proposition to be a donor for somebody or to be a surrogate from somebody. And I remember after that episode, I had a conversation with my husband. Like, I remember at Rutgers seeing flyers on the bus stops for uh, for uh, eggs, being an egg donor mm, or getting paid. That's true. Yep. So wow. it's the yep. same situation, you know what I mean? It's just that it's it's relative to the 2000s versus the 90s, right? Or whatever. Um, and but the fact that he now at first, I guess, how should I say? I had a little bit more sympathy, or I was able to empathize with her just a little bit more after finding out that the baby was actually had some of her DNA. I thought yeah. it was like the classic surrogate situation that you have now in 2020, where you're just truly what they call in medical terms, gestational carrier, where you're just carrying it like pure mm-hmm. and simple. You're carrying somebody else's baby, somebody else's egg, somebody else's uh, sperm came together, fertilized, and it's in your body. Right. But then when I see it as a turkey base, or, oh, oh, so the baby is actually related to her. And mm-hmm. it's with, uh, what's his name? The Ryans, the husband of that mm-hmm. couple, it's his sperm. And it's like, oh, so you could feel for her. But then again, it's still not hers. The baby's not hers. She was paid and, right. you know, and she had a contract and all that. And she could see that that, that another mother who could not have children is like Linda. You mm. know what I mean? Um, yeah. And how can you do that to someone? It's just like, whoa. Right. So, yeah, I struggle with Mia throughout the series for real, for real. So you couldn't find anything good about her? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liked how she still, um, I mean, she struggled right back and forth as far as, or don't know, this is what I'll say. That was her, you could tell that she really loved um, Pearl. She mm-hmm. really loved Pearl. And, you know, a lot of times I say to myself, I've had these conversations with my husband in the past, like, you can really make yourself believe anything. Mm-hmm. Anybody can make themselves believe anything, mm-hmm. whether right or wrong. So she truly believed that she was doing the right thing by her and her daughter. Yeah. And no one could tell her different. That's true. Except you know her daughter, eventually. Except her daughter. And now mm-hmm. her daughter has come into this enlightenment period 
And now she's being challenged for the first time. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, she could, she still could have kept her mouth shut. I feel like she didn't divulge or reveal everything that she should have. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that was part of the, um, the creators of the show. Maybe they didn't want to give, you know, go over every detail since we as a viewer already saw the detail that, no, I did this because I need to pay for school, you know, da, 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 whatever, whatever. Um, but that she, she, you know, finally came to her senses somewhat, Mia, and, you know, was able to tell Pearl and but also reassure Pearl that, no, you are mine. I love you. I've only wanted what's best for you. And, you know, really saw it um, from Pearl's perspective, finally, like, yo, you had us moving from state to state for no reason. I've changed right. schools. I can't make friends. I can't have any sense of stability or permanency. And, you know, she, at the end of the day, Mia had to swallow her. She was willing to swallow her pride. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't see Elena being able to do that for any of her children. I don't think mm-hmm. she would be able to do that. Right. Um. So, yeah. Is there anything you relate to? Relate to with her. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it will be in the future when my kids get older, but I can see this, right? Like if your child just finds something that they connect with another person's family, one of their friend's parents, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you could be sitting with that, with that just like, wait, why can't you connect with me on that level? Like, no, I'm your mother. Like, no, you mm-hmm. should have been able to talk to me about this. Or we should have mm-hmm. been able to have this conversation. How you feel so comfortable over there and I'll right. be here. You know, what is it that I'm lacking over here? What is it that, you know, you don't have or you're not getting from me in this household that you're finding over at your, at your friend's household? What's that about? Mm-hmm. So I can see that easily being any one of us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, with Mia... I think that a good quality in her is the fact that, um, so Miriam, you know, you said, okay, so Pearl was able to go over to Elena's house and form relationships or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elena's kids were able to do that with her as well. And That's I, really, true. Mm-hmm, I really, what I think was very good, um, I think that she had a lot of good things to say to her kids and to say to BB mm-hmm. um, in times that they really needed it. Um, and, and in watching those scenes, it's almost like, mm, and you're not even having these conversations with your with own you. daughter. Right, right. But she yeah. was. But um, no, remember that scene? Sorry to cut you off, but remember the scene when Lexi had the abortion and she came in mm-hmm. and how she just wrapped her arms around Lexi and hugged her so yeah. tight. And then yeah. you see that they had a camera flashes to Pearl mm-hmm. and you could tell Pearl's thinking like, whoa, you don't, you know. You don't come for me like that or embrace me. But I see what you're saying, Jenny. She's been doing that all, all her life. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. She's been doing that all her, her life. Yeah. And we haven't seen we haven't seen a lot of it because we haven't seen a lot of um Pearl's life. And we haven't seen and even though Pearl hasn't had an easy life like these other kids, she also hasn't been in positions where she, you know, was having an abortion or was having an identity crisis, um, not that we know of, like Izzy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason why I say that she's been having these conversations with her daughter all along is because of the scene where Pearl is is speaking up for herself in in relation to the math class. And she's speaking to either the principal, guidance counselor, whoever he was, Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm better than this class. I should be put in such and such class. Right. And um, 
and I, you know, it, I, it was, it was good to see that she, even though that convers that that conversation didn't have the outcome that she wanted it to have, um, but she still said her piece and wasn't like, okay, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, she definitely said her piece, and then later on, um, when she brought it up to her mom, her mom was like, well, you know, I taught you to this, that, and the third, and she said that she did, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, she's been having these conversations um, with her. Right. You know who you are. This who you are. Don't let anyone tell mm -hmm. you or what you can do, what you can't do, and, and all of that. So I think that that's a good quality in Mia. Um, although I'm with you, Miriam, in terms of how you dragging this girl along every which aware. Um, mm -hmm. Talk about you have a project with every town you go to. Right. Sat down. <laughs> Which I still don't even see, like, what was the pro like, what made her go to Shaker Heights? Other than when she was listening to the tape recorder, but it just seemed like she was learning about the town right then and there. Like, I don't know what possess her to like say oh we're going here i just i don't know yeah it's weird to me. yeah who does that something there I, yeah I mean, I don't, she I don't chose know. it she chose it because of its perfection because you know why what makes me say that because in the first episode when she's speaking to um when she's out on the picking up the pieces of the bike out on the mm -hmm. curb and Elena runs into her and she's like, oh, you're a sculptorist or whatever, you know, that Elena says. And she's like, you should totally do portraits and everything. And, and Mia's response nice. was, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, you know, the problem with that is that, you know, people would like for me to portray them how they want to be portrayed, where I prefer to portray people in a way that they don't want to, in a way that they don't want to see themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... Shaker Heights is a perfect example of that. You know what I mean? That's um, true. They have that perception of perfection, but it ain't all that, that you guys have made it out to be, basically. For sure, yeah. Um, so do you think if the, uh, do you guys think that if the fire didn't happen, she would still stay there? Or was her work done? No, she was already leaving. She left. Yeah, oh. at the time of the fire. I, I think that her work was done. Mm. No, but she I left. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess because it was said ending. That she too. I think it was ending. I, I definitely think that it was quicker than because of that. Yeah, because of that. But but I do think that she she it's almost like she got more than what she bargained for. Right. Because you're going to study your subject for however much long, however long you think you, you're going to need to. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you set out a certain timeline for yourself, which it seemed like was going to be a year. Um, and you're going to study your subject for that long. But so much has had, had come out in just being mm -hmm. in that town. And she had experienced so much, and, and Pearl had experienced so much, and, and Elena mm -hmm. has revealed so much of herself yeah. and her side of perfectionism and, and everything, um, that even though Elena basically was like, I want you out by morning or mm -hmm. in the week, whatever she said, um, she had enough to complete her project. Mm -hmm. And she was already starting her project with the, yeah. the, the replica of the town um, right mm -hmm. before that happened. She was already in that place of enragement and um, that that zone where she could create what she was there to create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was amazing, by the way. Yeah. Did you feel like there were things that you could relate to? Um, the ugly cries. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was at least one one episode for sure. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> but not, but but I've totally. I know why, even though there, I know there's like a million memes out there, and <laughs> it's hard to watch <laughs> slash funny sometimes. But I know the feeling. Yeah. I mean, like, of it welling up inside of you and mm-hmm. you trying to manage it at the same time, and it's still just kind of overflowing in a way that you don't even want it to. <laughs> Insert ugly cry. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I had problems with Mia. Like, I think that she was extremely selfish. I think. She was in touch with her wants, but disconnected from like her daughter's needs and wants. Um, like when she just made a big deal about, I gave you a wall, I gave you a wall. Like, right, uh, right. hello, I want a room. Like, are you even listening? Does that even make sense? And her daughter's just mm-hmm. like, you know, mom, good moms are supposed to like look out for you, support you. They're supposed to like make decisions for your best interest, not just their own. And I feel like that was hard for me because I feel like I'm really opposite of that. But I think it's also, you can look at it two ways. Like it's good that she was in touch with what she wanted and how she felt. Um, And there's so many people that sacrifice what they want. Answer Helena, Elena. you know, that sacrifice what they want or are disconnected from what they want or what they feel because they're trying to please everybody else. Whereas I feel like Mia totally embraced like, nope, I'm an artist. I want to live this way. I'm a free spirit. We like get in the car and all packed up and say, okay, where to? Like most people would not have the courage to do that. So I think there's good ways to look at that. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I also feel like I said, she's extremely selfish and, um, short-sighted if you will but I do think what what I feel like was most relatable to me was like you guys were talking about earlier with how open her heart was to nurture broken people um like whether it's BB or whether it's Izzy or whether it's um what's the older sister's name Lexi Lexi anytime someone came to her she was available to them she was open to them and almost like felt empathy for what they were feeling like if they were crying she was crying you know if they were hurting she was hurting and so she felt so deeply um and I can relate to that because when people hurt I definitely hurt with them um and I hope that I give off you know safety and comfort and when people are in need or they're down despair like they know that they can call me and so with all of her flaws I think that that also speaks volume uh, volumes and resonated with me did you guys um like feel not feel sorry for her but I mean I just have to say that her relationship with her professor did not sit well with me I was just about to bring that up I I I obviously that was the major changing point in her life Mm-hmm. Right, like she was on the road, still an artist, obviously. Um, that's why she chose to go to that school. Um, but 
I don't think anyone would have imagined that her life would end up the way it was. Mm-hmm. And it was because of this professor. And it's, did the professor, did her relationship with the professor make her this selfish person? Was it her relationship with her parents that made her this selfish person? Because I'm thinking about what you, about, you know, what you brought up in terms of what she said to Pearl. Like, I gave you a wall. I gave you a wall. She mm-hmm. knows what it's like to not just have a wall. Right. She you didn't come I mean? from a broken family. They may have not been you healthy know? or healthy, but you know. Yeah. So um it's just uh so I don't know, so weird, so interesting to think of how one person can change your life. Cause she was obviously like in adoration for her, right? Like she could yeah. do no wrong from the first yeah. time she stepped in the classroom. Like she's just right. like, wow, who is this black woman like right. owning this thing and like s- just smooth with it and loving it and doing it and flowing in the same way that I want to, right? And so I do feel like it, even later when she was having sex with the guy in the car, I wonder like would she have even explored women if it wasn't for her professor because she didn't know like she's like what is this you know it was confusing and it could have just as easily been like a mentorship relationship Mm -hmm. where they were still like you know really close and and never crossed the line but I think it was like traumatic for her like crossing that line but then also losing her so abruptly yeah it's just like what do you she just kind of spiraled from there like she never found solid footing again like Mm -hmm. She just kept going. And meanwhile, she lost her after she lost her brother. Right. Yeah. So who did she have from there? You know? And after she was disowned by her parents, which is basically. Yeah, that was so hurtful. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. They said, don't come to the funeral, honey. I'd have been like, me and this belly is coming. I ain't got to ride with you. They did (laughs) such a great job of casting her younger self. And the because their facial expressions were pretty consistent. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. They did. They did a. (laughs) They definitely did a good job there. Um, Mm -hmm. But man, I yeah, her history and it's it's definitely loaded, and it just makes you think of life in general and how one experience or several experiences back to back to back are enough to change. Uh, not change someone necessarily because she could have been the same insightful person and a person that um, brings safety to someone when they're um, when they're experiencing their own things. You know, she could have been that same person and mm-hmm. she had been on another trajectory. But um, carrying around a child with you from town to town uh as a what well she must have been like what 19 maybe right young yeah and that's another thing too she was so young and so mm-hmm. like how wrong do you, and this is totally derailing so we can cut this short um mm-hmm. this question but how wrong do you think her professor was yes impressionable young mind like that i think <sighs> she was definitely wrong there was a little yeah. drugs in there too yep yeah, all this stuff that she would have never even been introduced to, but it happens. Like, mm-hmm. and it happens all the time. But it's just the frailty of people. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are, 
you have to grow up and everybody's not grown. Like, I feel like Mia grew up with her daughter, like even to just stay planted one place, like her daughter forced her to do that. She was not there. Like she would have just kept bopping around, you know, doing what she felt. But like, maybe, you know, we don't know the professor's story. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was kind of like a, everybody in New York chilling. We all mixed and mingled. We're artists, free spirits, you know? That kind of goes along with it. The drugs and love. So. Wow. All right, really quickly. Um, let's try to do Linda and BB. Okay. So I'll start with BB um, because I think she's kind of easy for me. Like, again, associated with more so with the immigrant story as well as poverty, I think a good trait is that when she felt like she had support and when she felt like she was right, she did try to make it right with her um, with her daughter. Even though in the end, I think she definitely took it too far, stealing the baby. <laughs> um, but I, when I knew like, that was happening. Oh, me too. Oh yeah, I felt it. I was like, me too. She's gonna go take that baby, and then I yep. said to, I said to my husband, I was like, uh, this was before the whole Elian Gonzalez case, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this might have been the original. Oh my no, god! I was just saying, like, yo, like the, the baby monitor, right? Like, yep. don't don't take it for granted. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god! But you could easily see how oh you know, especially if you that. were sleep training or whatever, and mm-hmm. you you know, you're not trying to uh, respond to him at every you know the first cry. So you could see yep. the uh, husband doing that, and it's like, oh my mm-hmm. god! I was like, babe, they're gonna take the baby. Yeah, that you gotta follow your instincts, man. Yes, yes. Um, but just that BB like found her strength. You know what I mean? I think that was a good quality that you know once she felt that injection of support again, she was so down and so out of it and so like defeated. But then she found her strength and she fought back and she went on the news and you know she thought she had a chance with the case, or whatever. So I think in that, I think that was a good quality for her. Um, in terms of like something I could relate to, I think just the prejudice of, you know, being that immigrant or that um, poverty story, like just being prejudged. Like I'm not an immigrant, but I do feel like at some points people judge you for how much you make or where you're from or like the life that you can provide as not being as good as or good enough to their mm-hmm. standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just feel like that's a dynamic that is still very prevalent today. And, you know, I don't come from poverty per se, but it's poverty to in some in someone's eyes, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so just being able to relate on the fact that like, there's someone out there that doesn't feel like what I'm doing or what I, how I grew up was good enough or would be good enough. Um, but generally speaking, I just think that she represents a whole heap of people. Like the fact that the husband said, like people like that don't win. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. like just the whole category. Just close the book on on everybody, whether you poor, immigrant, like people like that, quote unquote, you know, don't win. And I do believe that there are people that think that um about us about me so that's what I I would relate to with her with BB I just like oh my heart just broke in the scene you know her backstory with the you know she's 
poor herself, hungry herself. So, of course, her breasts are all dried up, have nothing to give to her baby. And again, she did not have, she was a few cents short of 70 cents at the corner store to get some mm-hmm. formula for her baby. Like, what country do we live in? Right. And it's like, you know, at that moment, that store owner could have had some empathy for the mom, but just chose not to. Probably because she didn't look like, you know, her look wasn't pleasing to her. You know what I mean? Like, she didn't look like her. Or she wasn't one of her own, quote unquote. And, and it's I just like, where she was living, too, right? Like, if you live in the hood, how many times somebody going to come in there and ask you, oh, can I just have, oh, can I just have, because, like, ends are not meeting, whereas the total opposite with the bus driver is, like, Probably nobody's asking for a free ride in her neighborhood. So, oh, I can let 50 cents, 70 cents slide. Right. And I was thinking about that, too. How how much is also overpriced in Mm. the hood? Um, True. Where if she was just somewhere else, could afford to be somewhere else, it probably would have been a bargain. Um, You know, and she wouldn't have even had faced that. Um, and then the other thing with BB you know when they're fast forwarding to the court case and people are like what kind of mother does that but then that was the best thing she could have done for her child mm -hmm. I don't know if she heard that you know the law says you're protected if you put a child in before a firehouse or um or a police you know that you're you're safe from uh, prosecution uh, from that but she did the best thing that she could do because she knew that those people could go and help um, you know, help the baby and get her the medical attention or whatever the case, um, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, just her, like you said, Sharm, she really did find her strength as time went along as the case was building and everything. Now, what can we say if we're going to be devil's advocate at the end of the day that she kidnapped the child? Now, she wrong? Like, yes. now you definitely not going to see this child anymore if you're you you know they catch up with you guys and you've been charged with kidnapping. She probably trying to be like Mia. <laughs> now she's <laughs> always gonna be on the run. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. And if you and oh, and this is why Mia, uh, it makes so much sense what Mia was saying to Pearl in terms of her trying to justify her actions, because Mia basically took Pearl away from also also from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's almost like a replica. Yeah. Um, she up in Canada in the car, nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's crazy. And there, I I, I want I kind of want to speak to the mental health of these people, mm-hmm. right? Um, something that uh, you know I was uh, of course speaking about this among several friend groups and. Um, with one of my friends, uh, we were talking about the whole, the court scene, right? Um, and the difference between BB and Linda. Okay. And uh, so the, my friend pointed out how um, there was nothing, one friend pointed out that there was nothing that changed. And, and um, Elena's husband said this, there was nothing that changed in her income, mm-hmm. right? Where she could be able to help this baby more mm, than, mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. she first gave her up. But mm-hmm. that wasn't the thing. That wasn't the deciding factor, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, necessarily. But, um, and my other friend's response to that was that she was at a place, and at this time in the 90s, 
postpartum depression wasn't something that was necessarily recognized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was at a place where she wasn't um, not only stable um, financially, but she wasn't in the mindset and she wasn't mentally strong. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that she could have gotten her strength. She wasn't mentally strong where she could um, kind of pull herself up by her bootstraps. Mm-hmm. And able to do what she could for her child, which and and then in that moment, I agree with you, Miriam, that she did the best thing that a mother could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, fast forward to the time where they are in the courtroom and those two mothers are fighting for this child. Um, she is she has gained her strength, and yes, she's making the same amount of money, but she has fr- a friend now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That where she can have a stable relationship with this friend barring what happened afterward with the fire and everything or the whole, you know, that whole thing but um she has a sense of stability and and now she may have she may know resources that she didn't know in the past still same income right mm-hmm. still same income but now you have a little bit more of a wherewithal you have a strength to to fight and to do whatever is necessary for you to keep this kid whereas Linda probably never um, recovered from everything that she was, all the trauma that she had her and herself in terms of losing a kid and then, or kids, we don't know how many Mm -hmm. um, children and having to see so many people around her, Elena specifically raise their children. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, my friend pointed out that she kept saying, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do without this child? What am I going to do? And it was never about like, well, what's right for Mei Ling? What's right for Mei Ling? What's yeah, right? it did become about her. Right. It so did become she about was her. definitely at a, at a, uh, a mental state still. Um, yeah. And, you know, are, are you... I mean, I'm sure all of, we, we all, as humans, mothers and dads, single people, professional, like whatever, whoever you are, um, you have your moments and that mental health is a real thing. And um, sometimes it can debilitate you from doing what the things that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those two, just the juxtaposition of those two characters, especially in that moment in the courtroom was so real but it makes me think about everyone else's mental state too Mm. Mia's mental state when she lost the professor lost her brother on the run with Mm -hmm. this child maybe trying to recreate the feeling with this child that she had with her brother or with her whatever it is you know what I mean Mm -hmm. or justifying whatever her actions were um, are Um, Elena's mental health where she was um, on the brink. How many times? That was just one scene that we saw her on the brink. I mean, actually, <laughs> we saw her lose it several times with Izzy. But <laughs> on the brink, yeah, she always had in the back of your mind that you have this other, I could have had this other life. Um, and how that is affecting your relationship with your spouse and now your relationship or and your relationship with your kids. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I think that that's, I, I think that it's really subtle in BB and in Linda's case, but once you realize it, it's so profound. Um, 
and then you 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 know it's a little bit more blaring in the other of the uh, mom's cases yeah um, I mean so at the end of the day for me to wrap it up I mean these writers were so good in that they just reminded you that everything is not black and white people are not just black mm-hmm. and white people are not just that simple and we could take that into real life right because we could easily sit back and look at other people like and judge that person on that one action but you don't know how many steps, how many life experiences led up to that one action. First of all, you might not even know the understand the whole action in its entirety. You sit on the sidelines. Two, you don't know what mindset that person was in and making, you know, um, making that choice or mistake or however you may um, look at it. It's just so much that people that are to that come. There's so much that makes up a person, and we're just all yeah. complex. We're not, it really isn't black and white, for better or for worse. It really is not black or white. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can have empathy for someone one day and then hatred or disdain the next day, the writers definitely captured that for every single, uh, what you'll call it, character. Yes. Okay. Because you can even talk about the, we're not going to since he's a dad, but you can even talk about him, Joshua Jackson. Mm-hmm. What's his name? What was his name in the uh, show? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right, because don't you feel for him that his wife was kind of cheating or whatever she was doing, but also, uh, what you call it, he kind of took up for Izzy. I mean, he, um, what you call it, and how he took up for Izzy and was like, no, this is still our daughter or whatever. But then on the flip side, he was like really lackadaisical about that because he definitely could have done more to right. kind of bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Right. But then he's like telling Izzy, you know, you just have a few more years in this house, you know, right. just make it through and then you'll be fine. She called him out on it too. She did, yep. which, you know, kudos to her. And I think um, with him, I, I think that he was on the sidelines a lot. Yeah. And um, and you see it a little bit more with, um, with Izzy and that comment that he made with Izzy kind of just keep your head tucked down and, and bear yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and obviously he's, I guess doing the same thing, just kind of doing whatever, taking it day by day, because you don't necessarily see him being proactive in the kids. Yeah. Lives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously he is the provider, I guess, head of the household sitting at the head of the table. You know what I mean? Um, even though Elena was going to get her way, um, right. I, I was rooting for him though when he was like Elena, sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he definitely um, was was on the sidelines. I think that there could have been, you know, more with that. And that just, like you said, Miriam, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. So now with all that, do you guys think they could do another season? Like, what would the story be? I do not want another season. Okay. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. Th- so this show is based off of a book. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Um, I didn't read the book. My friend read the book, and she said that there were definitely a lot of differences in terms of the characters, um, oh. and not 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 necessarily. Uh, it was it was more so in terms of the races of the characters because I think it was mostly like a Chinese, um, community or something, um. And uh, but the storylines were kind of the same, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. But um, so, you know, maybe I, one of these days I'll go and I'll, I'll re- actually read the book. Uh, but to do the book justice, mm-hmm. I think that it should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, do we still have Linda? Um, I mean, is there anything more that we would like to say about her? Um, I mean, just that you feel for her, me personally, that, you know, the stuff that I've gone through, um, yeah, my different experience as far as, you know, having, trying to conceive children, I should say, conceive children and, um, bear, you know, go through pregnancies, pregnancies that haven't made it all the way to the end. I feel for her in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see how she kind of made it about herself or just made it about her. She, she was a victim, right? A victim of biology, if you will, and its failings. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how, you know, she is right to feel like that. Like, but what about me? When would I be able to be a mom and to raise a child out of whatever? But in that same tone, um, she just couldn't see past that to think about um, what you call the child, especially when she feels that the way that the person came at her and trying to reclaim that child is oh, actually, you know, it. busting into her house. Oh, no, I'm going to lose her to this. I'm going to lose her to an immigrant. I'm going to lose her to mm-hmm. someone who's poor. I'm going to lose her to someone who can't, you know, speak English well. I'm going to lose her to someone who doesn't have a partner. I'm going to lose her to someone who works at a Chinese uh, restaurant. I'm going to lose her to all this, you know what I mean? So that it was just compounded, 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 compounded. But in the very basic terms, you could, I, I personally could, you know, relate to her with the whole um, disappointments that could come along, you know, um, childbearing or trying to conceive and trying to carry pregnancies to term. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that she also had a sense of entitlement. It was definitely more subtle. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, I do think that she had a sense of entitlement, namely in the things that you were just saying, Miriam. But mm. also I think that um, it can be seen in her situation, but in a lot of our situations, it, just in life, I think a lot of times we, we feel like we deserve something, whatever it is that we're longing for. You know what I mean? I'm a good person. I deserve mm-hmm. this, that, and a third. And sometimes it has nothing to do with um, uh, how much money you make or whatever. But um, I think just as people, we're like, I, I deserve better. You know, I deserve better than this hand that I've been dealt or this life that I've been given. Um, and after however many years of her trying and everything, I'm pretty sure she was also in a place of, um, I finally got this. I feel like I deserve this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. But I feel like she also exhibited a lot of the racist qualities that people don't know they possess. Mm-hmm. And I think it was put on Front Street with the whole trial and being probed about questions like, why was there the Chinese boxes of fever at the child's mm-hmm. first birthday? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't even think through that enough to like realize how offensive that was. Or she's like, I'm new to this. I've only she's under, she's like one years old. Whatever. It's like, but no, that was enough time. If you thought that her culture was important for you to start to research it and you know realize how could she be connected to that. Um, but I think in her heart of hearts, it was not important to her. And she wanted to have this child be as, as much as a part of her as anything. That's why she renamed her. You know what I mean? Right. And I think, that, um, I think that she just had to face some real reality about like her own prejudice about like when race, when you're not a different race, sometimes it's hard for you to care. And I think, you know, 
sometimes that's white privilege, some people call it or, you know, whatever. But it's like, I'm not Asian, so I don't really need to push that. Even if my daughter is like, she's mine. No, she's, she's a part of me now. So I think on the front end, like in her own mind, she wasn't being racist or prejudiced. And I mm-hmm. think that sure. if you pull the lid back, that's exactly what is most common. Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of people um, out there don't necessarily know um, their racist ways, I guess. Um, I, th- that makes me think of also when I was in high school, our... Um, you know, private school talk headmaster, (laughs) Um, white male. And every year um, there was, uh, we had BAC, so uh, Black uh, Alliance Council. I I think that's what it was, right? And so every year there was like a conference. Um, and you know, uh, certain several people were chosen every year to fly out or whatever. And sometimes there would be, um, different advisors or teachers that would go. And one year our headmaster went and white male amongst a sea of, um, (laughs) black people, brown people or whatever. And, and when they, when he came back and he was addressing the whole school, he was like, you know, for the first time in a long time, I realized that I was white and, When I was in high school and when he said that, I was like, what? Like, how, what an idiot, basically, <laughs> like, in my mind. But um, it, I, I can totally see it. Yes, absolutely. It's real. And even in Lexi, in the, even in the way Elena is ra- raising her children, mm-hmm. uh, that's how it happens. Exactly you know I mean? how it happens. That's how it happens. Oh and God. they don't they don't even realize it. Like Lexi couldn't even see. Like she didn't know. She didn't un, like she didn't know. She didn't realize it until her um boyfriend was basically enlightening her and what he did wasn't even that much. <laughs> right. Um so it, it's, well, it's like just say, easy. At the dinner table to your point where she's like, um, you know, it's not our fault you guys don't have a hardship. Like it's almost like we're being penalized for working hard for you guys. Meanwhile, she doesn't work. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, um, that's not exactly it. Like you could still have hardships, but she was just, she just couldn't even think of her own story. Like you just right. literally tell someone else's story and you thought that was okay. That's thought It was okay. That, that speaks to also the pressures of being, of, yeah. of being perfect. Cause I also remember high school again, Having to have that perfect essay, the the mm-hmm. perfect um um yeah the perfect essay to get in uh for man <laughs> have to answer these abstract questions where it was just like all right how am I gonna forward this or frame this how am I gonna be better than the next candidate oh whatever right. and I, and that was probably also um you know affirmative action was that's something that when I was in high school we spoke about a lot and had you know everybody kind of gave their opinion on what they believe that to be and uh, mm-hmm. is it a benefit or not and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So definitely a loaded um, topic and a loaded time. Um, yeah. still, still relevant today. Yeah. For sure. So anyhow, I definitely enjoyed this. I am probably going to watch this season again. <laughs> Just... <laughs> to enjoy it more and also just to see everything every little thing that I may have missed um 
I think that it was that good. And I appreciate, like we've been saying all along, the complexity of the characters Mm -hmm. and how much motherhood was like at the forefront of this, um, uh, of the show, you know, flaws and all. Um, I definitely appreciate it. And the flaws were easy to see, uh, which is why I wanted us to point out um, good qualities in these moms, mm-hmm. even though, you know, the biggest topic is of discussion uh, surrounding the show was about everyone's flaws. For sure. We all have them. Yeah, we can't judge. Mm-hmm. Can't judge. Can't judge. So thank you for joining us. Um, again, this is Mama Said So podcast. Like I said to start, um, we wanted to keep things light and we hope that you enjoy this and we hope that you enjoy the show. And if you haven't, um, definitely go ahead and watch and then keep up with us um, as we try our hardest to make sure that we're um, are producing more content for you guys and more episodes. Uh, so stay tuned and um, be on the lookout. Our handle on um, Instagram is mama said so podcast we also have an email mama said so podcast at gmail.com so if you ever want to give any feedback that way you can do so and we have um, we are on Facebook as well so reach out to us we'd love to hear from you guys um, and we definitely respond Um, but thank you for listening have a good one thanks guys stay safe stay safe take care